Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I, hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to... Another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, Everything School HQ. HQ, new threads, who dis, got some little uh, holes in the Tennessee uniforms now they dropped today, like a little bit of spots. I know you're a big uniform guy, but... What is this? I have not heard about Tennessee's uniforms. Yeah, they got, they're not, you have to squint to see um, the difference, but it's like the, I think they called it the vector or something where it's very, um, very tight, uh, but it has like little, little air pockets, air patches, and I'm, I don't know if I'm all in on them. They're, uh, you have to squint, you won't notice on TV or anything, but uh, I don't know. They're, uh, they're there. But anyway, fellow University of North Georgia alumni, Matt Green, is here as he is at this time each and every week. Matt, good evening, sir. How are you? Good evening, sir. I'm um, repping the North Georgia Nighthawks right now. Okay. What are you? What is that? In, uh, my, my, my T-shirt game here. Okay. Do you still have the still undefeated for the, T-shirt? For the YouTube uh, list. Actually, yeah, Tori was wearing that shirt the other day. Mm. Uh, the football, UNG football, still undefeated. A tradition unlike any other. Damn right. Well, sir, uh, I'm glad um, the things are going well. Tequila football right around the corner. Um, I know uh, Tequila Georgia is popping, ready to figure out what the Falcons are made of going into this year. Um, so, I mean, what has been the Kroger situation? Like, are you walking in at the coffee shop hearing a lot of uh, Dacula talk? Like, what is the temperature in the room? Are they a five and five team nine and uh nine and one where are they uh where is the oh, sir, where's the temperature is, the town's buzzing you know it's uh this isn't a this is the kind of program that just looks at five and five coming into the year you know they're they're expecting to compete for the region championship that's for sure 
There you go. Well, all things coming up uh, part view here with the orange checkerboard. Uh, it was always known that I was going to end up in Knoxville growing up in the part view area with the checkerboard and then making the, the checkerboard jump later on in my life. But like Matthews five star, uh, when folks are hearing this on a Wednesday morning, uh, guess what? Mike Matthews will be uh, committing uh, Wednesday night um, for uh, his college decision with a couple crystal balls for the balls five-star wideout from my alma mater so that would be cool hopefully that ends up being the case um but we shall see matt green um this is the preview show it's like we have to talk about this because doing the math this past week thinking about um where we're gonna be and like how close college football is and this is the the best way of leading in matt how many days are we away from the start of the college football season where SEC Nation, many were wondering, where was SEC Nation going the first Saturday of the college football season? Think no more. They're going to Nashville to see the dark horse SEC East favorites, um, Tennessee Volunteers, play the Virginia Cavaliers. But uh, how many days are we away, Is that away, the Macri? best game we got the opening weekend is Tennessee-Virginia? It's not going to be a good game. I think it's also, I think they, Hawaii, uh, Vanderbilt is also like that mm. either Thursday or Friday. So I think they kind of got like a two fur action in Nashville. Mm. Um, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but right now, sir, we are, if you're listening to this on Wednesday morning, uh, this is 45 days till college football season. And I think, uh, best 45, you know, of all time, I think kind of by default is Archie Griffin, the two time mm. Heisman winner. But, um, Hot take for you, sir. Never should have been a two-time Heisman winner. Absolute just like blasphemy. If you look at this Heisman voting. Wow. Uh, Archie Griffin's second year. Like I had it pulled up somewhere and I'm, I'm struggling to find it. Yeah, 1975 Heisman. Mm. Do rush for 1,450 yards and four touchdowns, right? Won the Heisman. I don't know how you have 1,400 yards on four touchdowns, but... Chuck Muncie of California had 1,460 yards and 13 touchdowns. Finished second. Mm. Ricky Bell of USC had 1,900 yards and 13 touchdowns. Finished third. Tony Dorsett, uh, Bell and Dorsett were both juniors. Tony Dorsett had 1,600 yards, 13 touchdowns. Like all, all three of these running backs had more yards and like 10 more touchdowns. Like I'm not really sure. Obviously, Archie Griffin was on the highest ranked team. They finished fourth in the AP poll that year. But yeah, it's I feel like it's just trivial at this point because there's guys that could have won it a second time, but it feels like they didn't give it to him because they don't want anyone to join that two-time Heisman club. Like like I like like Johnny Manziel. Like he just didn't like carry himself like a the Heisman way, right? It's like he was better in 2014 and 2013 than he was in 2012. And and uh Jameis won the Heisman that year. It's like, I don't know. I uh it's just it's a little it's a little questionable. He's like thought he's in, he's in like the Mount Rushmore of college football because the two time Heismans, but it's like I don't know if he's deserving. Well we're gonna see this year like everyone's gonna be looking for reasons not to give Caleb Williams the back-to-back Heismans because no one wants to do back-to-back right like there's something that's special about it where you're like no you can't do that because it's a narrative thing where it's like you even if you're better the following year I mean you see in the NBA MVPs all the time where it's just the narrative matters and like Joel Embiid like was 
uh, had a great year, but like we all know Jokic had a, a better year and Jokic was better, but like three three straight MVPs. That's pretty, that's uncharted waters here. Um, and Joel has zero and Joel is a, is an awesome player. So I just, I, I think they're always going to be looking for ways not to give you back to back, but you see coming out of the gate here, Caleb Williams, um, having the odds, but like you said with Archie being the number one team, I think that's just a big part of this. And I think the biggest reason well, they finished to, number four that year. Yeah. So it wasn't necessarily number one, but they were one of the best teams in college football. And I think the thing that's working against Caleb Williams is that I just, I think she think the USC will be worse this year. And I think USC is looking at a nine and three, 10 and two. And if that's the case, I just don't think he has a shot at the Heisman. I just don't think he's going to win enough um, to, to get USC there. And it's not really his fault. I just not believe in that defense. So we'll get into the PAC 12 and where we're at with those USC Trojans in their final year in the PAC 12, which is, I mean, maybe there's the final year of the PAC 12 in general, uh, based on where TV, the TV <laughs> deals are going. So, uh, that might be it, but, but yeah. Who's the best 45 for, uh, for Tennessee? It's a good question. I mean, 45 for you, I'm guessing you're just going to say boss Bailey. I think boss Bailey's gotta be the answer there for sure. Uh, I was trying to think of a more recent one. I know, like there was Jar- there's Jarvis Jarvis Jackson a uh, linebacker for the Ricked era. I think um, you have to go Johnny Majors, but like, okay, it feels kind of like I think it's back. probably AJ Johnson. Okay, Gainesville Red Elephant AJ yeah. Johnson. AJ was really good, so I think it's probably of note. It's the most known for all time, probably Johnny Majors, but I think AJ Johnson's probably the answer there in terms of best player to wear number forty five. Tennessee. It's not a common yeah, number really anymore. I could be anymore. thinking of I could be missing someone, but I'm thinking um I'm thinking definitely Boss Bailey's the best 45 Georgia's had. Did he start? Did he start? Yeah, it was Boss Bailey. How much like what what did he actually? Yeah, what was how many games? What do you mean Boss Bailey, Bailey was like a really good player? He's like a multiple multiple year starter. I mean, okay. he was like a second round pick by the by Detroit, like Okay. He was uh I don't really I don't remember know, I don't know what Bailey you're getting at here. But Boss Bailey was a—he was a freak. Him and Tony Gilbert. Tony Gilbert, I think, was usually the uh, one leading Georgia in tackles. At that That's point. what I remember more. I remember Tony Gilbert. Boss, Boss Bailey, Bailey just... was an outside linebacker back in like the four-three days, also. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, he was hmm. ridiculous hops. Yeah, uh, three-year starter at UGA. Two hundred sixty-six total uh, tackles. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. He had a—he had a big-time career strong ass jesse tuggle career it looks like to me didn't really do it didn't get sacks a couple interceptions over three years not really made he just got a lot of tackles he just gobbled up tackles jesse tuggle was on some garbage teams though boss bailey was on an sec championship big time defense in 2002 like as a senior you uh you bite your tongue sir yeah i love jesse he's part of the he was part of the regime change too you know recruited by uh by donnan then stuck around with rick and uh won an sec championship was pollock recruited by donnan or was he uh rick guy? i think he would have to be um mm. i mean at least at some point like maybe it was like a like a jacob eason with kirby like yeah with rick dan kirby you know that was his first class coming in so i want to i know david green was a red shirt uh freshman so i know he was already there I th- pollock may have been a red shirt freshman too so i think they may have mm. both been because I, I thought they were the same class right there's like the same yeah. age they played rec league and all that together so shiloh and yeah, I think, 
Yeah, I think they were both. Um, I think they were both on that team already in 2000, uh, or redshirting in 2000, and then Rick took over in 2001. Hmm. Fun fact for you: Quincy Carter got hurt at the end of the 2000 season, and uh, Corey Phillips, I believe, he was like a redshirt senior, hmm. came in and started like the last two or three games. Donnan had the chance to burn the redshirt of David Green in 2000. And then things could have maybe worked out differently. Maybe DJ Shockley would have had two years as the starter at Georgia and, you know, mm. kind of play a little what if game. But yeah, that could have happened. But um, Corey Phillips got a couple starts to, to end his Georgia career. And then, D- and then Green took over as a redshirt freshman, 01. Redshirts have changed too. Like, you just don't think about it. Like, I was, um, like, one of the things about Nico is like, there's no path to him. It's like, what's the point when you get a four or five star kid in there? It's like, all they need is two good years and they're out anyway. So it's like you don't have to worry about burning red shirts anymore for your quarterbacks in the SEC or anywhere else where you're like, these guys aren't going to red shirt. You don't have to worry about how much we can play them. Like the goal is that Nico plays in four games and that's it. And then he's out and he, you don't need him. But like the the idea that like, oh, we have to save him that extra year of eligibility. It's like, no, all he needs is two years in the program. And then he's off to the NFL. Like that's it's all you really are expecting at this point is is two and out. No, so that's you don't really worry about it. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely true. It's not not the same concern as it once was. And I mean, now I mean, you could have you could have played the last two or three games and still not burn that red shirt too. Which yeah. I like is I like that rule that they've they've put in. I like it too. Um, well, Matt Green, um, with it only being forty five days until college football, which is wild. It's it's going to be here before you know it. SEC media days going on this week um in nashville here in the home state and not a big sec media guy uh, media day guy huh i was listening to different interviews it's just it's not for me like it's all just uh, this is not for me it, you're not really getting anything like from what i like folks back in the day when it wasn't as big of a deal you like guys would uh i was listening to the ball quest guys talking about it this morning in front of the pod brent hubs and just how much it's changed and like you get guys uh for longer you could pull like get more information like it's just different like it's just more it's more corporate it's a very it feels like it's more for media meetups than anything else it's almost like a media con uh, a college football an sec oh. media con and that's really what it's for it's not really the the other stuff because like you listen to like i was listening to Kermit, i'm like what are we doing this is the biggest waste of time like there nothing is coming out here like uh how do you fight complacency it's like, all right, I just, I, I don't need to spend my time with this. I, I, I'm good. This is, there's better ways I to mean, spend my it's, time. It's something that's happened uh, with, with programs. I've had a little, little blip here where they're at the mountaintop, and then for whatever. Well, no, what reason, I'm saying is just last, the questions. So. It's like Kirby's not going to give you anything. Kirby's ready. Like Kirby's not. Like he's, he's, he's good at this. He's not going to say anything. Josh Heupel is just like we're really happy with uh, a lot of our transfers and stuff like that. It's like, all right, it's just, I don't know. I just don't think for it's necessary sure. for me. No, I mean it's you're not going to get much out of it, but I feel like it's talking season, man. It's it is talking season. The fact season. that we're like less than two months from the season, it's like it feels like it's that final checkpoint. They're like, okay, I can start mm-hmm. to get, I can start to get excited about the season. It's like right around the corner. Just see some Georgia players, some some Texas A&M players, just talking, you know, and you're like, okay, it feels like the season's actually here now. And hearing Jimbo Fisher just talk at a mile a minute it's like okay it's 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 uh starting to feel like fall again it is uh talking a mile to... a minute and not really answering any questions <laughs> like that's tradi- basically jimbo fisher style a tradition unlike any other uh matt green 
preview series starting with the Big 12 here. We're going to get through each of the big Power 5 conferences here. We'll probably throw a Notre Dame with either the Big 10 or the ACC. We'll throw them in with one of them. We'll figure it out. But um, this is, uh, we're officially in preview season, uh, putting our name to the win-loss totals, and we'll uh, recalibrate uh, that uh, at the end of the year to see how we ended up doing. Um, I'm very excited to uh, do the weekly recounts of me winning the win-loss uh, pool here after mm. just really running away with it this past year uh, in terms of just straight-up picking games, um, which many are saying is the most important outside of the betting odds um, week over week. But Matt Green, Big 12. This is uh, the, the last dance for Texas and Oklahoma in this conference. So I thought it was only fair. And this is something that I think is the biggest thing going into this year with Texas. And the biggest story in the Big 12, is there a team on Texas's tier this year in the conference? Because I don't think there is, and I'm curious if you share the same sentiment. Well, it's for one, the Big 12 is just, it feels so unpredictable, so I, I can't like definitively say that, but... In terms of just what these teams are on paper, there's just there's no one I can really there's no one I can say that should beat Texas this year, right? Like I know it feels like every year they're like the favorite in the Big Twelve and they haven't won the conference since I, I want to say two thousand nine, mm. and they just for whatever reason I mean they have made at least one with Ellinger. They only did they only make the one uh, back in I think twenty eighteen. So, I mean, they've made like one Big 12 championship in the last decade, 12, 13 years. Like, so I feel like this conference just generally just it's not what's expected. I guess Oklahoma had their run of kind of uh, dominating this conference. But Oklahoma, they feel like the the best challenger. But, I mean, we saw them last year. And I'm a big year two head coach guy. And we could see Brent Venables in his second year as a, as a head coach, period. I think Oklahoma is definitely. If, if I'm picking one contender, I, I that's that's most likely to challenge Texas. I know that's probably the boring answer. It's got to be Oklahoma. See, I don't think it is. I think Oklahoma is going to be like a seven and five, six and six team again. I don't think they're anywhere near them. Texas obliterated Oklahoma last year, and Oklahoma hasn't made up that much ground on the recruiting front. Um, we'll see what that defense looks like, but I think that defense was bad last year and I could still see it being subpar. Texas is just, they're better everywhere and they're older, they're better, they're stronger, they're deeper. I just look at this roster, look at the schedule. It just feels like an 11-1 type year for them. And if you don't break through this year, when are you breaking through? Because now you're going to the SEC. Now it's just going to be, <laughs> it's just going to be a completely different world. I think it's fair for Texas and Steve Sarkeesian to have to face a lot of pressure going into this year. Like there is no excuse that Texas should not be in the college football playoff this year. They are that talented. They're that deep and they're in a conference that is down across the board that is giving them this opening. Oklahoma has had this stranglehold on this conference. TCU lost a bunch who ran away with this uh, conference for the most part up, uh, up until that Kansas state loss on the last play but like you can't get through kansas state like you there can't is, do that there is one big thing though that 
at Alabama on September. But 9th. that doesn't affect like, them getting in. Like you'll still make the playoff. If I mean, you that's, drop that's Bama. one, of course. But you got to run the table. You got to win ten straight, eleven straight should. games. To, uh, but I'm saying if they if they lose one game in the Big Twelve and lose to Alabama, I don't think that season is just a epic failure or anything. I think it's like okay, Texas is like. They're right there, and they're they're building their and they most likely win the Big Twelve. Like they're a two loss Big Twelve team, Big Twelve champion. I think that's a successful season uh, in Austin. I feel like if they beat Bama, they're going undefeated in the regular season. That's my gut. I mean, that's definitely it's definitely possible. I would I would just I would other than having to go at Alabama, it feels like everything is aligning for them exactly. Like it feels like it's definitely their year. And that's what's scary if you're a Texas fan, right? Like everyone's looking at this, like this is your year. And we other than felt- just playing at Alabama, like that's like a that's like uh, the butt is doing a lot of work in that sentence. <laughs> um, the biggest unknown is who going into this year? Who do you think is the biggest unknown? The hardest to pinpoint? The biggest like I have no earthly idea. Like you're going through Phil Steele's manual, you're trying to get a read on this team. But they just feel like a huge unknown that you have no idea how to read. Who do you think is the biggest version of that in the Big 12? Uh, for me, it's Oklahoma State. Hmm. I just I feel like I have no idea what to expect at Oklahoma State. Like Alan Bowman uh, should be the quarterback coming in. And like, I mean, he hasn't been a starter and what, since 2019, 2020. So like, if, if is that the guy who's going to turn around Oklahoma State football? Like after sitting a couple years at Michigan, like um i i just don't know and they were i mean what were they like number 10 number were they number eight at some point last year like they were like seven and one six and one like they were up there and and just kind of collapsed last year and now i just i feel like coming to this year i just have no idea and it's it's from a not totally negative perspective like they could be the team that wins 10 games or they could be the team that wins four games i just i feel like i have no idea what to expect out of oklahoma state this year it's just funny because they finished seven and six last year, right? And Gundy has made it a, a career out of overachieving. I think he is somewhere like we didn't even have him in our top twenty-five coaches, and it's kind of funny because it's like I think years ago did I not have, have him? I I thought I you did didn't have, have Gundy. Did I not? You didn't have Gundy. Oh man, I I think I do have Gundy though. I may mm. that may be an oversight because I think he is top twenty-five. But that's what I'm saying. Like we just it, we overlooked him, and it's like this. That's like the the whole situation with Oklahoma State. Like, we forget, Matt Green, two years ago, they were a play away from maybe being the college football playoff. Like, they were right there and had yeah. a fantastic season with Chuba Hubbard and company. But, like, I just wonder, is Alan Bowman the guy who's going to... Like, I'd feel better if Spencer Sanders was back. Like, that's one of those where it's like, that was a marriage that shouldn't have split apart, is what I think about with them, where I'm like, I don't really get this because your Spencer doesn't look like he's going to start at Old Miss. And he could have yeah. just played one final year at Oklahoma State where he's had a lot of success and was a play, like we said, away from making the college football playoff. Um, they're going to have a good running game with Ollie Gordon. Um, I think the offense should be better. They're much more of a ground and pound team than they were uh, back uh, in the day with the Zach Robinson company. But like uh, this was from Athlon Sports that was interesting. Oklahoma State hasn't had a losing season since Mike Gundy's debut in 2005. So we're nearing 20 years without a losing season um for gundy oh no. <clears throat> oh no we had gundy on our list okay we did have gundy on i our had list. him uh at 15 you had him at 16 okay good all right i feel better about that there you I, go um but they replace a bunch of starters on defense they only have two returning starters 
and a new coordinator in Brian Nardo. So good schedule. That's always good at the Big 12. And I just feel like Oklahoma State, that's a fair point where it's like, I wouldn't be surprised if Oklahoma State was in the Big 12 title game. I also wouldn't be surprised if they're seven and six again. I would be surprised if they're like three and nine and they're actually bad and one of the worst teams in the Big 12. I feel like they're, do you agree with this? I feel like Oklahoma State's a souped up best case scenario of Mississippi State of the Big 12. Do you think that's a fair comp? <laughs> um, No, I think their ceiling is so much higher than the Mississippi State. Hmm. I feel like Oklahoma State, like, maybe just because I was, I remember the Zach Robinson, the Des Bryant years, but like, it feels like Oklahoma State, there's nothing really, other than Oklahoma, like there's nothing really keeping them from being like a, a top like 15 program in the sport or like just maybe just central on the Big 12 historically being like one of the three or four best programs in the Big 12, right? Like you would say over the last decade. I mean, Jimmy Johnson brought I mean, that. They've probably I, been better than Texas over the Barry last decade. Barry Sanders in the 90s. I feel like they're a pretty solid program. But what I'm saying is, like, they don't have the resources. Mississippi State, lowest in resources, generally speaking, in the SEC West. Oklahoma State, lowest in IL, I think, in the Big 12 right now. They just seem like they're the team that does the most with the least. I just feel like they have a passionate fan base. The fan base comes. They are just always talked about as like, is this the year they fall off? You always forget about them and where they're going to fit in the conference. And you're like, oh, don't look now, but they're right there. Uh, again, they're, they're at 10 and two, nine and three. They just won't go away. They just, they crank out their eight to 10 wins. And you're just like, how did that happen? I just, I feel like that's Mike Gundy. And I think that's probably what Mike Leach and Dan Mullen kind of had cooking at Mississippi State, where it's just kind of solid to great coaching. It's just under the radar. They do a lot with less. I think they just, they're the, is the a lot is the T Boone Pickens money is that is that gone? I thought Oklahoma State had some money. No, they've never really had that because like you go back, Jimmy Johnson left Oklahoma State for Miami for this kind of situation. If you read the the Cowboys book uh, by Jeff Perlman on uh, that whole situation, but it's it's fascinating. I just feel like it's always been a spot where like they've never had the resources and recruiting to actually have the blue chippers to win a title, but they've had enough and developed well enough that they're always in the thick of things, at least in the Big 12. Yeah, and I wonder, you know, what this new Big 12 is really going to do for Oklahoma State because the in-state, uh, obviously you saw what Texas, the Texas Texas A&M became uh, mm. once A&M joined the SEC. It really elevated A&M. So, you know, maybe it makes Oklahoma even more superior than they already were at Oklahoma State. But what you got to keep in mind is potentially winning the Big 12 you know, regularly, Oklahoma State could potentially get just as many playoff uh, berths as Oklahoma does uh, mm -hmm. over the next 10 or so years, just kind of based on the conference and the automatic qualifiers and that sort of thing. So it's not it's not necessarily the worst if worst thing for Oklahoma State. Obviously, the money is just massive and that's going to have just huge repercussions down the road. But, you know, in terms of potentially, I would say just looking at the the programs on paper, I'm not taking more than like two of these new Big 12 teams as mm. just overall programs and like ceiling over over Oklahoma State. Like they they do have they have a, a pretty consistent tradition over the over in recent history of winning 10 plus games. That's fair. Um, that's fair. So we'll see. I like that pick though with Oklahoma State. Best odds to you to hit their win-loss over when you go through the list here of the 14 teams here in the Big 12. Um, who do you think 
has the best odds in your estimation to hit the the win, hit the you can do positive hit the over or hit the under who are you most certain of this is maybe the toughest conference to do this in, honestly. Because mm. um, I look at Baylor, and six and a half feels a little low, and I like Baylor, but I'm like, I don't know how many tangible things I can really point to. I just I feel like they should be better than six wins. Mm. Um, but I look at Kansas. If if Jalen uh, Daniels can stay healthy, like six and a half, I think Kansas should be able to easily do six uh, win seven games this year. Like obviously his health completely derailed last season but i don't know you look at the, the the preseason first team all big 12 like they got like three guys on first team kansas does like i don't know uh the the vibe in in lawrence kansas feels a little different right now so i i think i might go kansas on the six and a half i go over lance leipold deserves a statue just for the fact in the year of 2023 on a college football podcast Matthew Green, Matthew W, what's your middle name? Walker. Matthew Walker Green comes on this very show and proclaims among 14 FBS Power 5 schools in the Big 12 Conference with everything we know about the Kansas Jayhawks, (laughs) he put more stock and more belief that they would hit the over on a six and a half win total than anyone else in the Big 12. We have seen some of the absolute worst of college football with the Kansas Jayhawks over the years. And if that's not enough for Lance Leipold to get a lifetime contract, like get Jimbo Fisher money, it's the fact that there is that much belief in what he's doing and that they're going to win more than six games and be the best bet to win and hit the over of all these big 12 teams. That's, that's a wild state of affairs. And I don't well, necessarily to be disagree fair, with you. The numbers, the numbers do affect that because some, just some that, teams like being two at years seven, ago, they were like a game, a game and a half. I think they, they were, were at two and a half going into yeah. last season. Yeah. Um, that is, that is def- definitely uh crazy where they've come from, but I mean, I just, Oklahoma, Texas should be the safe one right at nine mm. and a half. But Texas is just Texas, and it's like I don't know. It, until they prove I can trust them, it's hard to trust them. But I, they should be good for that ten and a half, or for that nine and a half. But Oklahoma feels a lot riskier at the nine and a half because nine and three seems like a a realistic thing that they could uh, do this year. But I don't know. There's there's some tough numbers in this conference. I think Oklahoma at nine and a half and hitting the under is my best odds. Like I would pound the under for. They're not winning 10 games like Oklahoma winning 10 games would absolutely for me. I I think that one's way too high. The Oklahoma one's off like that is just a bad read, bad bet. Don't do it. Stay away. Oklahoma at nine and a half. I would say among this is like, no, no. Yeah. And at the very least, just the fact that they're the exact same number as Texas going to that. I just, that doesn't make any sense to me either. Um, They're just getting like a. Almost like a hedging of like who they've been forever, and it's like I just I, I don't know. I think but I this... think it's fair. Like it's it, Oklahoma does have a tradition, and they're buying into that year two head coach thing. That's what it is. Six and a half teams. What is your stat here, Matt Green? That and why folks who are previewing and thinking about what this Big Twelve is going to look like um, this fall. What uh, what is the the importance of six and a half? Yeah, we were just talking about the Kansas Jayhawks there at six and a half uh, this year. And and who cares about teams that over under six and a half win total? Why are we even wasting time talking about teams that are preseason six and a half? 
Well, if you go back to last season, the two teams that played in the Big 12 championship, TCU and Kansas State. Kansas State won. I don't know if everyone remembers that, but Kansas mm-hmm. State did win that game. Both of them were six and a half uh, over under coming into the season, and they played for the Big 12 championship. So mm-hmm. of the four teams on our list uh, this year at six and a half wins, we got Baylor, Iowa State, Kansas, and Oklahoma State. Which teams are the most likely to be the dark horse teams that that get into the Big 12 championship this year? Well, I think Oklahoma State at six and a half stands out. Um, I think they're probably the first one that comes to mind here. And it kind of speaks to like when they're doubted and like when people are wondering, it's like, oh, Oklahoma State, Alan Bowman was healthy. They ran the ball really well and the defense worked out. And just like that, they're 10 and two and in the Big 12 title game. Um, I think they're the first one that comes to mind. But the other one that I cannot shake, it's not Iowa State, it's not Kansas, it's Baylor. Like, it wouldn't surprise me. Like, I'm not high on Baylor coming into this year, but if I'm looking for a six and a half, like, TCU-type bump, Baylor is probably the safest bet to me of that kind of jump with Dave Aranda here. Because I think it's a big year for Dave Aranda in this group, and um, we've seen success um, with their offensive coordinator and what they try to do there. Um, I think they had really bad quarterback play last year and that kind of plagued them, but maybe they're better in that regard this year. Maybe the offense gets back to form. Dave Rand is one of the best defensive minds in the sport. Like you could, you could see it. You could see a scenario where they overachieve and they're right there in a 10 and two, 11 and one type scenario. Once again, I think it's, it's one of the two between Oklahoma state and Baylor there for me. Is it the same for you? Yeah, I'm thinking the same thing. Just kind of how we were just talking with Oklahoma State, just how how volatile they kind of seem. Like they're mm-hmm. they the the ceiling could be high, but the floor could be also be real low. And and that would be a rematch of the 2021 uh Big 12 championship game. But but yeah, I mean, Baylor is you know, it's it's hard to know exactly uh, you know, Blake Shapin has had his his moments. He's is he still the starter? I I, yes. I can't even uh keep it, keep track of their quarterback room, but mm-hmm. you know, 2021 he showed some signs 2022 uh he was whatever so i don't know they're probably gonna have to lean on that running game so dave aranda i i i just am a believer in dave aranda maybe more so than he's actually proven to be a good head coach yeah i i agree um the under uh here who do you think is the best to hit the under among all of these matt green who do you think is the most likely to hit the under I had Oklahoma here. Who is it for you? I'm going with UCF at seven oh. and a half. I feel like there's something about <clears throat> there's something about UCF that's like uh, they're not they're not going to the big boys necessarily. Like this Big Twelve isn't like some juggernaut conference the way it's currently constructed. But there is something to playing just a significantly tougher schedule than they've been playing the last you know forever so i think the big 12 is as much as it's kind of i don't know it feels like a conference that gets disrespected because it they all play each other and they all beat each other but i i think it gets kind of a little underrated on how how tough of a conference it really is tough top to bottom and obviously you're gonna have a couple other teams joining you like with byu and cincinnati and, and houston i don't know I'm not looking at Cincinnati uh, ucf schedule off the top of my head i don't know who they play uh here's um, who, from here's that. two teams they don't play matt green Texas and Oklahoma. Oh, is that right? I didn't even yeah. know that. Well, that's not a good start. Or that when is you a said good UCF, start for them. it kind of 
startled me because I have they're my lock of an over like seven and a half. They're winning mm. eight or nine games. They might win ten in this schedule. They're at Boise early, which will be interesting. Kent State at home, Villanova at home, at K-State, that'll be a big one. That's probably going to be their toughest game. Oh, they do have Oklahoma. Excuse me. They do have Oklahoma on the road. Sorry. I, I missed okay. that. They do have Oklahoma. Um, the Dylan Gary Briel Bowl. But you get Baylor at home, at Kansas, West Virginia at home, Oklahoma State at home, at Texas Tech, at Cincy, Houston at home. This looks like an eight, eight or nine win schedule if everything breaks right for UCF. See, but I'm avoiding just, Texas I'm... is huge for them in year one. No, that's definitely big. I just... <clears throat> I don't think there's just a I don't think they're a team that's in a position to be like counting wins and like, oh yeah, they'll beat them, they won't beat them. Like mm. I don't think we have any idea of what UCF really is going into a power five conference. Like what they go nine and five last year? That's a they played fourteen okay, they went nine and five. You don't see that very that that record very often. I had to double take mm-hmm. that. Um nine and five last year, like playing in uh in the AAC, like they lost to Louisville, like a pretty mediocre to maybe bad ACC team last year. Like lost at East Carolina, lost to Navy, lost at Tulane, lost to Duke. It's like they didn't play many Power Five teams. Did I? They did beat Georgia Tech, if we want to count them as a Power Five team. Mm-hmm. It's like so they don't play a lot of Power Five teams. That this schedule is going to be significantly tougher. Like they they could be a solid team. And only win six or seven games, but they're just they're playing a different competition level of competition than they've always played. So I stand but, by it, sir. Okay, I'm a night believer. You're not a golden night believer. Um, of nah, the I big call them four, Central Florida. Apparently that apparently that's disrespectful to them. National champs just a few short years ago. Um, who wins the most games? Speaking of uh, UCF, among the four, seven and a half for UCF. Five and a half for Cincinnati, five and a half for Houston, and uh, where's the other one? Uh, BYU, five and a half as well. Who do you think wins the most games of the new Big Four? I have UCF. Who do you think it is? I um, if I'm going with those four, I think I probably do still go UCF. Cincinnati, I'm a little worried about Cincinnati. It's I think they're I think bad. I think they've. I mean, they haven't been five and a half bad in since like 2017, but. I just I I think they might fall off a little bit. I think uh, worst offseason coaching hire Scott Satterfield. Fickle may, yeah, Fickle may have uh, gotten out at the right time. So um, yeah, I, I would probably say UCF uh, between the of the new four. Although BYU, I think BYU also is just they're sneaky. BYU is a sneaky a sneaky team. Yeah, I'm interested. It's a big jump to go from Mountain West for them and see what they're going to look like on a weekly basis. I'm very curious to see what BYU do. I think they're the most interesting team in the Big 12. And I'm Tennessee was supposed to open at BYU this year, and they did Virginia instead. Uh, at BYU, it would, been a lot, it would have been a lot more fun um, at, in Provo. Um, coach, Definitely a bucket list stadium right there. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like It would have been cool. I might have even gone to that. Um, coach most likely to get fired of all the coaches here because someone's going to get fired in this conference um at some point this year who would you say is the most likely to get fired um gotta be neil brown right yeah i think for one i don't know how many guys are really on the hot seat looking in this conference um but west virginia like five and a half their preseason win loss like they're just at the very bottom of the big 12 like west virginia is a solid program like mm-hmm. we grew up with west virginia being a respectable program oh well 
we grew up in the heyday, maybe that, that Pat White, Steve Slayton uh, era, but mm-hmm. they were at least always just a respectable program, and they're they're not the kind of team that needs to be at the bottom of a conference like this. Obviously, they weren't always in the Big Twelve, so being in the Big Twelve hasn't necessarily been kind to them. But I just I uh, I expect more from West Virginia, and they they feel like uh, the most likely to probably have another bad season and just go ahead and cut ties. Yeah, I think it's Neil Brown, but I also could see Dana Holgerson. Like Houston's kind of fallen off, and I think there there's a lot more potential at Houston. I think they can do better than Dana Holgerson at this point. So I think if he has a bad year, he's someone to monitor. Like if WVU, uh, or yeah, WVU overachieves a little bit, and Houston's bad again on defense, and it's just kind of a kind of a mess. And they go five and seven, miss a bowl game. Like I think Dana, um, being the first coach fired or being uh, not making it through this year would not surprise me either. Um, but yeah, cause I think Houston could be a lot bigger and make a big name for themselves in the big 12 with the right coach. And I don't think David, Dana Holgerson's the right long-term coach there. What about, uh, Matt Campbell? Is the, the seat heating up on him? No, he's just like, he gets a lifetime job there. Like that's a tough yeah, place to win. He'll be there like, as long as he wants to be there. Yeah. And that's a team we haven't talked about at all either. And, yeah. and with Matt Campbell, it feels like every couple years they spring up and surprise some people. But um, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not thinking too much about Iowa State this year. No. Um, but that's when they can get you. Uh, what does the schedule look like for you for each team here? So this is we're gonna run through these Matt Green each of these 14 teams and their over under and put it on the line how many wins we think and if they hit the over and under for these respective teams. When you look at the schedule. And you think about this roster and what they've added, portal, recruiting, everywhere else. We're going to go alphabetically. Baylor, six and a half, Matt Green. Do they hit the over? And what is that number? And why are you optimistic or pessimistic about the Bears in 2023? Well, at a conference, you got Utah. So that's that's not a great start, uh, the fact that you know, they, they aren't going to have just a, a, a cakewalk out of conference. You know, they can't mm. just stack those three wins. So, I mean, we obviously have been just trained to look at who's got Texas and who's got Oklahoma on their schedule. They do miss Oklahoma, but they do have Texas uh, early in the season. I'm definitely I'm leaning towards the over on, on mm. Baylor uh, on six and a half. I think that I think this team can be seven, eight maybe even better this year and maybe even compete for a big 12 championship. So yeah, let me, let me go over on Baylor. It comes down to shape and he was bad last year. And I mean, they brought in Sawyer Robertson from Mississippi state to compete with him, but I think it's still going to be his, his job. But like, I don't know. The defense took a step back last year. Um, I don't know. I just, we'll see what Matt Palage does there. I mean, cause he's gone. I, I don't know, man. I look at this group I'm just not a Blake Shapin guy. I think that's what it comes down to for me. I don't think he is one of the better quarterbacks in this conference. I think he's kind of fallen by the wayside. Maybe Sawyer Robinson flips things a little bit here, but I just don't believe in him. And I think this feels like they ended the last season on a four-game losing streak. And you look at how those games ended, especially that TCU game, which was just bonkers, one of the best games of the 2022 college football season. But I just look at this and I'm just like, eh. I don't know. This feels like they're going in the wrong direction. I think it's some, you have to go up and down with some of these teams. And I just think I could see a scenario where it gets ugly in a hurry for Baylor this year with Utah at home, 
Texas, at UCF, Texas Tech, who I think is going to be good, and even at Cincinnati, you go back-to-back late in the year at Kansas State and at TCU. Don't like that. That's terrible squashed uh, situation for Baylor there. I don't know. This feels like a 6-6-ish six and six ish team to me again, and I wonder if Dave Aranda gets in the hot seat for that um, because of how close he, I mean, what he did in the Big 12 two years ago, but I don't know. They're a hard team to forecast, but I, everyone can't break right, so I'm going to go Baylor actually underachieves again, and they hit the under, so I'm going to go 6-6 six and six for Baylor in 2023 yeah five ranked teams on their uh preseason mm. ranked teams on their schedule gotta go at the bounce house uh in in late september too mm. so we'll see uh let's keep it moving where are we going next matt green are we going to the byu man it's so weird the big 12 byu cougars five and a half matt green where are you leaning um let's see i was trying to pull their schedule up you lead us off so byu another team here where it's like this is going to be a big adjustment um for the uh for the cougars but i don't hate their schedule you look at this you get tech second home it's a big one at west virginia it's not as scary as it once was you get oklahoma at home which is nice iowa state at home which is nice you got to go to texas but you probably weren't winning that game anyway you got to go to tcu stuff at arkansas that's probably a loss but you open with sam houston state southern utah 2-0 at kansas toss-up game cincinnati at home's great i just this looks to me like a pretty manageable first year in the big 12 welcoming party to the conference and this feels like they're gonna hit the over i think i wouldn't doubt uh kalani sataki who's one of the better coaches in the sport um i don't think they're gonna miss a bowl game five and five feels too low this feels like a seven and five schedule to me so i'm gonna go seven and five and they actually hit the over even losing their qb uh to the nfl i just they sneaky just replace and move on like they're just gonna have a good offense they're just gonna have a good defense they hired a new associate head coach who's kind of a legend um in the FCS ranks, and uh, I want to pull up his name because he was uh, a big offseason under the radar hire for them. Um, and I want to get his name, but he was at, I believe, Weber State for a really long time. And it's going to be run the defense because that was the thing about BYU, which was weird last year, is their defense was terrible. The offense was still really good um, by and large, but the defense really took a huge step back, and that was kind of their downfall. Um, but it's just uh jay hill is his name so he's gonna be the defensive coordinator and he's been he was the head coach at weber state for eight years and it's just a big big addition for them so i'm pretty optimistic about that hire and what he was able to do there and uh the fit for him and i think that'll that'll be big so i'm gonna say they hit the over seven and five ish uh for their first year i mean you look at just their road schedule and you got at arkansas at kansas at tcu at texas at west virginia as much as, as bad as west virginia might be going into morgantown is never easy at oklahoma state as well like it those are some that's a tough road schedule like they have to go basically undefeated at home just about like and they play oklahoma at home texas tech so I'm not sure because I think Arkansas is a definite loss. So to mm-hmm. get a to get a loss out of conference, I think isn't a good start. So I would go rather under. get the toss up games at home. Like I think a lot of the games you just mentioned on the road, they were not winning anyway. Like I would rather not burn a home game against Texas. But West Virginia, I mean West Virginia is a team that they should be that they yeah. probably should be better than. But in in Morgantown on the other side of the country, 
for your for your classic Big Twelve <laughs> matchup of BYU and West Virginia. Um, that that could be a that could be a tricky one. I'm gonna I'm gonna go under. Ooh, okay. Um, UCF seven and a half. Uh, we talked about them a little bit here. You know where I'm leaning. I think this feels like an eight and four, nine and three schedule for uh, John Reese Plumley's team and Gus Malzahn here. Does it feel like they're hitting the over for you, Matt Green? I'm going to go under on uh, on Central Florida here. Mm. At Boise State, uh, second game of the season, like that's not going to be easy. At Kansas State, at Oklahoma, you know, at Cincinnati, at Texas Tech, like they got some tough. Uh, uh, road games as well so i um I, I like i said i don't want to beat a dead horse but uh i just i think they might be in for a rude awakening uh playing a, a full power five schedule wow i don't know man they were good last year gus has got that thing cooking he doesn't really have those bad years like eight and four is like kind of his bread and butter like he loves those eight and four nine and three type years i think he's gonna be right there with this ucf team yeah, I'm really curious to see what they do just from like we've seen so much uh, conference realignment. So just from like a uh, I don't know, uh, just a knowledge perspective, like knowing what a team going from a group of five to a power five conference in one year, like just seeing what that competition level is, because, I mean, we all have our opinions on how much more how much superior that product is to to the G5. But some of these really good G5 teams could potentially come in and, and compete in these Power 5 conferences. So it'll be it'll be an interesting just experiment this year in the Big 12. For sure. Um, Cincinnati, 5.5. I feel like we're going to share the same. I think the Scott Satterfield hire was a disaster and like one of the worst, more uninspiring hires uh, this offseason cycle. I don't think he's long for Cincy. I think they, I mean, they've just gradually lost a lot of dudes to the NFL, a lot of them lost important guys to Wisconsin, both on the field and in the coaching ranks. I just, I would drill the under for the Cincinnati team. Like, I don't think they're going polling. I think this is going to be a four and eight, three and nine type disaster for Cincinnati right out of the gate here. What do you, where are you leaning with Cincy? Yeah, I think it's hard to see them going over the five and a half. Um, I'm hoping they can start like three and zero because if they can, Oklahoma coming in for their first Big Twelve game that that could be a, a crazy atmosphere in in Nippert Stadium, as we all know what it's mm-hmm. called. Um, but yeah, I just look at Cincinnati's schedule and I just I don't see this team winning more than five games. So yeah, give me the under as well. I just I don't know. Is Emory Jones going to be their starting quarterback this year? That's I, I'm, wild. Yeah, that's so. How how many schools is he on now? Is that three? I think that's yeah. Because he went from no Arizona State, um, Florida, Florida, yeah, and then Cincinnati. Because he started okay. at Florida, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Goodness and gracious! Bowman, Bo, Alan Bowman on on school number three as well. Corey Kiner's back though. Miles Montgomery be a solid one two punch. Like Emory Jones isn't bad. He's okay. But I just, I don't like anything about any of this. No, this just doesn't I'm, look great. Yeah, I think uh, Cincinnati kind of, I think they're, I think they're a step behind where UCF is coming into the Big 12. So I think they're kind of in a similar position of, they've, won, all they've been to five straight schedule. bowl games. So that streak's on the line this year. Fickle had them rolling into six wins. Yeah, and if, uh, if Scott Satterfield plays his cards right, 
the Cincinnati job leads to big time power five jobs. So it, we see Michigan State, we've seen Notre Dame, we've seen a multiple Tennessee. guys go to Notre Dame, right? Uh, Tennessee, we've seen um, Fickle go to Wisconsin. So Cincinnati is a is a great stepping stone job. So we'll see what what he can do with it. But I I don't know about so far in year one. Houston five and a half as well. I think. I'm going the under. I don't like where they're going either. I think Houston and Cincinnati are both going to be like if I'm I'm optimistic about where BYU and uh, UCF will be in the Big 12 um, right out of the gate. I'm not optimistic about Houston and uh, Cincinnati out of the gate here. I lean the under. I'm going to go five and seven, four and eight feels right. And I would not be surprised if this is the last year for Daniel Holgerson in Houston. Fun fact for you. Uh-oh. 12 games the Houston Cougars are going to play. That's pretty standard. I think we're mm. all playing 12 games. 10 of those games are going to be in the state of Texas. Mm. They play they play UTSA, Rice, and Sam Houston State at a conference. Just just keeping it all in the state. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you on Houston. I'm, I'm, I'm not really high on them and, and Dana Holgerson. Um, you know, 8-5 and five a year ago. But, you know, I think 5.5? Uh, they seem like there's a potential for them to go bowling, but I yeah, I feel like they're kind of in that Cincinnati, uh, you know, level with they're probably gonna be near the bottom of the Big Twelve. Man, I'm picking against all of these uh, these newcomers. That was four in a row. I picked unders on all of them. You're not a fan of the Big Twelve this year. Um, Houston's defense sucked, and you know it's I think part of it for me. I'm just mad because I picked them to like they had a dark horse undefeated type season on the table there with their group where I was like, you could oh, sell. Yeah, you called that last year. They had this week, week schedule where I was like, they could take advantage of this. And there's a path to them just being in the college football playoff conversation in late November. And they completely pooped the bed and 32 points a game given up. The defense was horrific. And you forget Matt Green. Part of that was like they were 12 and two in 2021 um they were right there for a new year six bowl and now they bring in uh donovan smith the transfer from texas tech but i mean texas tcu texas tech kansas state oklahoma state on this schedule i just think they're going the wrong way and with tank dell gone clayton toon gone i i don't know man i think those are just going to be really really difficult uh to replace and i think this defense is still going to suck so I don't know. I, I'm pretty dubious about Houston figuring it out, and I think they're going the wrong way here. So I'm selling the Houston Cougar stock as well. All right, put it on the board. Uh, you got to get some overs here in a second. Iowa State, six and a half. Is this where the over first comes in, Matt Green? Are you going under again? This is not where the I did go over on Baylor. That was the first um, but, one. But yeah, I've gone a bunch of unders in a row. I got to go another under. I just, I don't, I'm not a believer in Iowa State this year. I just, you know, with what they have coming back, like they just, they were the worst team in the Big 12 a year ago. Well, was West Virginia worse? They're right there near the bottom. Yeah. But yeah, I just, I don't know. I think this, I think this conference, as much as I'm picking against all the newcomers, I think this conference did get more difficult. And so I don't, I, I don't think that bodes well for Iowa State. I actually don't hate this schedule. I mean, Texas at home late. I'm just circled that one, folks. That one might get wonky. Um, 
I don't like that they end at Kansas State. What what are we doing with these endings? Like why? I don't know. Whatever. I'm not gonna get my hours. Um, Iowa at home. That's good. They get the the Cyhawk trophy. Um, at home. that's got a name, right? Iowa the State, Cyhawk, Kansas right? State. That's like the. Oh, <clears throat> no, that's it? Iowa. Iowa State. Yeah, I think I that's know. the Iron Skillet. The battle for the Iron Skillet or something like that. I mm. think that's a rivalry, right? Okay. Keep talking. There's a path to them being 4-0 and going to Norman in late September. And then you just have to get three of TCU at home, who I think will take a step back this year, at Cincy, Kansas at home, and then at BYU is a toss-up, and then at Kansas State. We'll see what Kansas State looks like. That's probably a loss. But like at Baylor, who knows? We're, we took the end of the Baylor. Six and a half is interesting. Hunter Deckers, I think, is solid. I think the defense is going to be good. Once again, they're going to be in a lot of these games. And I just, they have ba- they have bounce back potential. I think they're going to be like a seven and five team. It's going to be ugly. I'm going to hit the over on Iowa State. I think a lot of people have written them off in Matt Campbell's bunch. I think they go seven and five with the schedule. Give me the over for the clones. Giving you the over. And I want to correct myself here. You know, all the... TCU and SMU fans will be furious with me. That is the battle for the iron skillet, uh, mm. TCU and SMU. Iowa State and Kansas State, however, have played every single year since 1917. So mm. a lot of back goes back to the Missouri Valley Conference. Um, but yeah, uh, give me the under on Iowa State. Not feeling it. Kansas goes from 2-10 in 2021, 6-7 the next year. First bowl appearance since 08. Here's the thing about Kansas and this six and a half. Kansas, I think, do we say, I think it's fair to say. I'm just going to say it. I think they have the best quarterback in the conference. What does that mean for Kansas? If they have the best quarterback in the Big 12, I mean, I think that's huge. If Jalen Daniels is healthy for 12 games, I think seven and five is very doable. I think I'm going over on Kansas, too. I, I just look at this group. I look at the schedule. I don't hate it. Um, Lance Leipold is going to get the most out of this group again. Um, man, I don't know. I, I just look at this. Devin Neal's back. A lot of important dudes back. I think this offense is going to be electric once again. I don't know. I I like this. I, I think they're going to hit seven-ish wins. Um, the schedule's a little bit more difficult than a year ago, but... Seven and five, I think, is doable. So I'm going to ride the wave of like when you have the best quarterback in the conference, I think that's enough to go bowling and at least seven wins. So give me seven for the Jayhawks. Is this where you go positive? Absolutely, sir. I think okay. there is a chance that <clears throat> Jalen Daniels is the best quarterback uh, in the Big 12, but I, I'm, I would still go yours if if I'm deciding. But um, yours but is yeah, a projection. He's a dynamic. Like yours is a projection. Well, like we don't Daniels know. We is a t- projection too. No, though. we've seen the best of Jalen Daniels. Jalen Daniels was a really good player last but year. But it was what for like four games? Like it was a very small sample he size. Played more than four. Jalen Daniels. He, came, he did come back from injury. Yeah. yeah so he, he he only missed like what did what did he play last year? He had like a 544 yard game at one point. I think Jalen played more than that. I'm trying to think how many games but, he's played. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely. <clears throat> it it is part projection. I mean that's. That's what we're doing here, right? So Quinn Ewers, I think, has the chance to take a huge step. He played but, nine but games. Yeah. Okay. Jalen Daniels is is a dynamic player for sure. And I think he potentially could be the best quarterback in the Big 12. And if you have the best quarterback in the conference, I think you're winning more than 
seven, six, seven games. So I, I, I do. I like Kansas this year, and I'm going to take the over on them. I love that they get Oklahoma at home. I think they're beating Oklahoma. Yeah, I, I like could see it Oklahoma. for sure. Um, Kansas they almost beat State. them with Rattler and Caleb Williams. That's true. Eight and a half for Kansas State. Kind of high. It's weird, even though they just won the Big 12. But you're like, all right, we're expecting... Kansas State just feels like the team that does better when it's like six and a half for them before the year. And then they win 10 games. When it's high like this, I get a little antsy where I'm like, I I don't know. A lot of people are talking about Kansas State repeating as Big 12 champs. And I'm like, oh, this is, this is not how Kansas State rolls. This is not where you want to be. I'm actually going to go under for Kansas State. I feel like eight and four is kind of where they they land this year. I think they take a slight step back. I think TCU and Kansas State take a step back uh, in this Big 12 uh, this year. Neither make it back to the Big 12 title game. Do you share that sentiment? And are you going under for the for the Wildcats? Yeah, I was kind of going back and forth on this one because at a conference, you got Southeast Missouri, Troy, and at Missouri, it's like they, mm-hmm. they I think they kind of blasted Missouri last year, if I remember correct. Um, mm. So, I mean, I think they should have three wins at a conference. UCF, they go, uh, they host them um, for their last game in September, but they don't have Oklahoma on the schedule. They do go at Texas uh, in November, but I don't know. I think this is a manageable schedule. Like, I, I like Will Howard, he, he took Kansas State to the next level last year. Obviously, Deuce Vaughn mm-hmm. was like the heart and soul of that of that team, of that offense, but... I uh I like Kansas State. Eight and a half doesn't seem too high because I feel like nine and three, they might they still might miss the Big Twelve championship. It's not even necessarily a guarantee, but I think they're gonna be one of the better teams in the Big Twelve. So give me the over on Kansas State. Nine and three this year. They lose a bunch in the secondary. That scares me. I think the secondary gets torched, and I think the Big Twelve is gonna be a high passing league. Like I think they lose to Kansas, for instance. I think Kansas is gonna torch this Kansas State defense. I think Treshawn Ward is a sneaky big impact transfer in the conference, like from Florida State. He's gonna replace Deuce Vaughn. I could see him really, really excelling in the little apple here. I just I like Will Howard. He showed a lot of stuff uh filling in for Adrian Martinez last year. Obviously, it's completely his team now, but I just, I don't know. I think, I feel like this defense takes a step back and I think it's just going to be kind of a, a gap year here for, for the Wildcats. I think they're going to be good. I, I think Chris Kleiman's like one of those coaches where there's no path to them being bad. They're going to, they're going to have a high floor each and every year. We're like seven and five, eight and four is the worst case scenario, maybe six and six, but like they're going bowling every year with Chris Kleiman and the way they play, the way they coach and all that kind of stuff. I just, I think they take a slight step back. I think eight and four. So I'm going to hit the under on Kansas State this year. All right. Put it on the board. Mm. Uh, Oklahoma, nine and a half here. Just bare, like lock of the year. They're going under, Matt Green. The Oklahoma Sooners are not winning 10 games this year. Just absolutely not doing it. Dylan Gabriel has to stay healthy for 12 games. We'll see it. I see it to believe it. A really weak wide receiver room. We'll see what happens. They need somebody to break through. Eric Gray's not back at running back. We'll see what happens on that front. The defense sucked last year. Still, I think it's not going to be great again this year. Tough schedule. I just, I don't see it, man. Like, I don't see the Sooners being one of uh, the best teams in uh, in the conference, and that's what 10-2 and two is. So, 
give me the under on the Sooners. Yeah, don't even have George on that schedule. It'd be a lot more difficult uh, mm. if, if the Bulldogs were coming into Norman. But yeah, I uh, nine and a half just it's a little too rich for my blood. I think mm. Oklahoma is going to be improved this year, but I, it feels like a nine and three type of season, and and maybe not even that good if Dylan Gabriel can't stay healthy. So, yeah, give me uh, give me the under as well on Oklahoma at nine and a half. I think there's a chance they go nine and three and, and do still end up in the Big Twelve championship, though. Ooh, I don't know. I just it doesn't feel like it to me. I think they're going to limp their way into the SEC. Um, but we shall see. On the flip side, Oklahoma State, by the time Kansas State comes into town on October 6th, night game, 7.30, I think that might be a huge early Big 12 where the conversation will be, is this a Big 12 title game preview uh, between the Wildcats and Cowboys um, and Stillwater? I think I'm pounding the over. This just screams over where we're like, oh, Alan Bowman was healthy and he was back to Texas Tech Bowman and he didn't have to do as much because they just run the ball down your throat. The defense is good again. And they just, the lunch pail kids uh, for Gundy's group. And I think it would not surprise me at all if they hit the over. I'm going to go, I'm optimistic that it's a bounce back year for the, for the Cowboys. Give me the over for them. Are you optimistic about Gundy's group? I mean, it's six and a half. Do you yeah. know the last time Oklahoma State won less than seven games in a season? Gundy's first year? 2005 is yeah. that Gundy that is Gundy's first year yeah like this team they're they're good enough for uh for I, I probably should have hammered this one earlier uh because it's six and a half is just too low like a bad a bad big 12 a bad Oklahoma State team I feel like goes seven and five so yeah give me Oklahoma State uh to go over yeah I just it's just weird like they they've completely re uh reimagine who they are as a football team like they're not the the running gun of old but i mean they were still 21st in passing offense last year um in the country so spencer sanders did uh enough it's just weird that he ended up uh departing um uh from this group because i think he just it really worked for him but i think a lot of oklahoma state um is going to be what that defense looks like because they were 89th in scoring defense a year ago and that's just not what we've come to know about these later years Gundy team. So if the defense is cleaned up, I think they're going to run the football. I think they're going to put their guys in good position to succeed and they'll, they'll make it through Texas nine and a half, the same as the Sooners, which is just so bizarre to me, but lock of the century putting the horns over nine and a half. You don't win not over nine games this year. Sark. We have, we have some problems with this group. I Quinn yours huge year for him. You have the best receiving core in the conference. It's not even particularly close. Yes, you're replacing Bijan Robinson, but like you have some talented guys behind you. You're gonna have a good offensive line. The defense is loaded. You have a great DC. You have just talent out the wazoo. You bring in AD Mitchell. You just I don't see an excuse here. Like Isaiah Nayer is healthy. Like that's a big thing for them this year. There is no reason Oklahoma or Texas should not win the Big 12 and be right in the thick of things for the college football playoff at the end of the year. If you don't win at least 10 games on this schedule, something went really, really wrong and you underachieved in a really, really embarrassing fashion, Texas. Like, this is your year. No excuses. How much of this is squarely on the shoulders of Quinn Ewers? 
I don't even think he doesn't have to do all that much. Like this defense is going to be really good. I and mean, they have but, dudes everywhere. Just put the ball in the hands of your playmakers. Like you have dudes everywhere. Make it easy. Just give the ball when to you your have yak these, guys. When you have these great wide receivers, but AD Mitchell was never a yak guy at Georgia. And I don't think Xavier Worthy, as much as he's like a deep threat, he doesn't feel like as much of a yak guy. Like Isaiah so, Nair is a yak guy. So I mean, obviously they're these great they have great receivers, and that's going to make the quarterback's job easier, but you still have to give them the ball. It's not like necessarily leaning on the running game. They could potentially lean on the running game and, and you know, maybe they're not as good as they were with B. John Robinson, but they're still, still good. But I feel like so much of it of, of them actually being the team they're supposed to be feels like Quinn Ewers being the guy he's supposed to be. Mm. So there, there's kind of this narrative about their 2022 season that, they were going to beat Bama. Quinn Ewers got hurt and their whole season went to, to garbage. And it's like Quinn Ewers missed like two games, three games. Maybe he was dinged up, you know, playing not at a hundred percent, but he had a lot of games that were kind of, uh, you know, a little, whatever, like not, not great showings. So he's got to take a step up. I feel like he's going to, but, but so much of their success just, hinges on him actually being the guy he's supposed to be and we've seen flashes but we haven't seen him you know put it all together what 15 touchdowns six picks a year ago like he played 10 games so there's a there's a long way to go um but i I think he's got the talent to do it and i feel like ad mitchell you definitely uh threw him out there he feels like the one that's a little under the radar Hmm. because xavier worthy he had his his drops last year his hand issue but A.D. Mitchell, I'm not sure people understand that, like, the true number one receiver that they're getting from him. Because, you know, Georgia was a, a run-first team, uh, or quote-unquote a run-first team. They they obviously stay balanced, but this guy only played as a true freshman, really. Like, he, he played a couple games last year. I don't know if people have seen just how much this guy has improved from being a really good receiver as a true freshman in 2021. So, um, he could be... He could be potentially better than Xavier Worthy on the other side of the field. That's fair. So are you going over? I got to. I think uh, I feel like this is their opportunity to beat Alabama. I don't know if I'm predicting them to beat Alabama, but they still get that one loss uh, in conference, uh, that one mulligan if conference mm-hmm. if they do lose to Alabama. So I feel like this team, 10-2, and two, feels like the the floor for them this year or else like you said we're gonna have to start asking questions about sark like nine and three yeah maybe we maybe there's no hot seat talk at nine and three it's just very disappointing because you're not really contending for anything um if they go 10 and two and one of the losses alabama like they'll be in the big 12 championship and there'll just be a vibe around the program that they're moving in the right direction. Nine and three, I feel like wouldn't do that. But but I do like Sark, and I think Texas is going to be the team to beat in the Big 12 this year. I like it. Um, t- TCU, seven and a half. A lot of people are thinking this is going to be a big comeback down to Jesus year for them. Bring in a lot of transfers uh, with uh, the Alabama wide receiver coming in there. Chandler Morris, the guy who started last year before he got hurt, and Max Duggan took over and ran with it, becoming a Heisman finalist and playing the national title game. All-time great year from Max, but like, I think they overachieved in a big way in year one, and they're going to do the weird year two drop-off because Sonny Dykes was so ahead of schedule. I think this feels about right. I think they're a 7-5 and five team this year. I'm going to hit the under on TCU. I think a lot of other schools, like if I'm going to take the Oklahoma State 
uh, Kansas a little bit, Kansas State, Texas, who I think is going to win a lot of games. I'm like, somebody has to fall down a little bit um, for this to work. And I think TCU, they're going to be bowling. It's not that big of a drop off, but them being seven and five would not be the biggest surprise to me in the world. So I'm going to go seven and five in the under for the frogs. I think it's a, it's going to be a rough comeback down to reality moment for them. Yeah. I'm really curious to see, cause I think they're definitely going to come, come back down a little bit, but I mean, this team did just play for a national title. Yeah. Like they, they've been really strong in the portal this off season. And you look at the schedule, like, I, I feel like this is an easy six and O start. Like mm. TCU's not great, but like Colorado at home, Nichols at Houston, SMU, West Virginia at Iowa state. Like that's not the most difficult schedule to start off. And then you got BYU at home the next week, like that potentially a seven and O like, I think they should be better than most of the teams on their schedule, but it all depends on how those first eight games go because they're they're november slate of at texas tech texas baylor and at oklahoma that's kind of a gauntlet for the the final month of the season for them so they they could potentially start eight no and finish eight and eight and four or something but i um i think i'm leaning towards the over on tcu i think they're going to come back down but i mean to go from national title to eight wins is a excuse me, is a, is a pretty far drop. So I don't, I don't think they go any further than that. So give me the over. Trey Sanders going to be the lead back there. They only return three guys on offense as a whole. They lose. I mean, it's pretty wild just what TCU is losing in production. Um, top two leading rushers, top three receivers, and uh, three linemen um, from that last year's squad. So Sonny Dykes, little... top 10 coach in America, sir. No, I don't think I can do that. But... <laughs> Um, good coach. I wouldn't put him in my top 10, but yeah, I don't know. I think this is a group that uh, takes a step back. So set eight and four wouldn't surprise me, but I'm going to lean seven and five and it gets wonky and they lose some games. They shouldn't. I'm not a big Chandler Morris guy. Um, Texas tech seven and a half, kind of the forgotten team. Joe McGuire recruiting really well, sneakily top 25 recruits and done well in the portal. Um, have a uh, Tyler shook at quarterback a uh, year. He's back year two for him uh, in the system. They brought in the Western Kentucky staff um, to lead the offense uh, a year ago when they were doing that uh, awesome stuff with Bailey Zappi and company two years ago. This is a big year for them. I think they're going to be under the radar. I think if you were to tell me you were to look around who is kind of like that sneaky, nobody's talking to them outside of Oklahoma State, Texas Tech they're right there. I would not be surprised, Matt Green, if Texas Tech won 11, or excuse me, not 11, if they won eight or nine games this year. Would not surprise me in the slightest. I'm going to go over. I'm going to buy some Texas Tech stock. I think they're going to have a good year, and I think they're trending in the right direction. And I think when the Big 12 splits apart, them becoming one of the the interesting top dogs, like what's going to happen between them and TCU year-over-year battling in the state of Texas will be fascinating because I think it's going to be kind of a war for the top talent in uh, the Big 12 for those two. Hey, don't you forget about those Baylor Bears, sir. I don't think they... Mm, I don't know. But they do have Oregon at a conference, uh, but they get them at home, so that's that's uh, mm. that's probably a loss early in the season. It, it is at home, so, you know, we'll see. Um, but I just... I feel like I hear more and more people talking about Texas Tech, that they're a little... Uh, a sneaky dark horse, and... I don't know. I feel like I'm not buying it. So 
they were they were they were fine last year. Obviously, the Western Kentucky uh, influence could could do a lot for their for their team next year. But I I look at this schedule and and I see a I see a lot of losses on it. I, I don't I don't see. I think this team oh. goes bowling. Not a lot of losses, but the the eight eight wins just that seems. That seems like too many for me. I don't. I don't necessarily see them being better than a, a Kansas State or something. Like so, I feel like that's someone well, I, I can like actually rely State. on. I feel like they have a lower a, a lower floor or a higher floor. I feel like a Kansas State, but I mean it's definitely possible. But you know, at Baylor, uh, at Texas, at Kansas, we've talked about they could be a dangerous team. They're winning I one think, of those uh, games. That's what eight. Hey, they got to go at West Virginia too. They're they got to go to Morgantown. Yeah. You never know. They're burning couches. Um, 14 so, starters know. back as a whole, man. 14. And they won four straight to end last year. I don't know. Zach Kittley's offense. I'm a fan. And I just, they're playing Texas Tech football the way God intended. Like, I'm not sure there's a guy who is more suited to run the Texas Tech offense than the Western Kentucky guy. Like, that is, uh, that is some, some good <laughs> they stuff. They do avoid Oklahoma next year, too. But, um, I don't know. I'm not buying it. Give me the, uh, give me the mm. under on, on, uh, on Texas Tech. Wow. I can't do it. I think they're going to be really good. Uh, give me the, give me the Red Raiders. West Virginia five and a half. I don't even, like. They're they're hitting the under. Like this is over. Neil Brown's getting fired. Maybe Dana Holgerson goes back to West Virginia. I don't have a strong take on this. I just they're going to be bad. Like he's calling the offense again. Um, Graham Harrell's out. He's now the OC at Purdue. I just. JT Daniels was like that last dying breath of this program getting back on there their footing i think they need a change i think this is just this is gonna be sad you have you're taking shots at like beating penn state by two yes. scores like i just all of this reeks of just a absolute dumpster fire of a season um no the the west virginia mountaineers are winning less than five and a half games this year the game i didn't know i was gonna be juiced for uh until last year was Pit at West Virginia. I'm all I'm all about the backyard brawl. So I'm loving that we're getting that in week three. Um, but yeah, at a conference at Penn State and Pittsburgh, taking on the whole state of Pennsylvania. And um, I don't think it's going to go well. Also, they got Duquesne. I, I want to say Duquesne is in uh, Pittsburgh, if I'm not uh, if I'm not mistaken. So that all three at a conference are against uh, the state of Pennsylvania. Um, but yeah, and then and then just the typical Big Twelve schedule from then on out. They they do avoid Texas, but yeah, I don't see I don't see a way that this team goes bowling next year. So I'm a, I'm gonna go under as well. I mean, unless you're a big Garrett Green guy, I just don't know. I don't know. They were ninth in the Big Twelve in points allowed last year. Um, I don't know. I just everything about this schedule and what this team's gonna look like just screams they're gonna be bad. Um, so no. Give me, and I feel like that's yeah. what you could count on in, in recent years that their defense, especially their secondary, seemed to be pretty good most years uh, and are at least opportunistic, get some for some turnovers. And and last year, the defense, they didn't even really have. So it's uh, one of those things from the from office space. You know, what would you say it is you do, West Virginia? Like you're not playing offense. You're not playing defense. You, you need to figure something out. There you go um well big 12 done matt green yeah and we got enough disagreements on there to uh to make it interesting that's for sure i like it next week do we do acc or do we do big 12 next week sir or excuse me uh, pack 12 uh i think we should 
I think we should go Pac-12 next. Mm, okay. Or actually, Pac-12 sexy this year. Let's uh, let's 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 save the Pac-12. Let's go ACC next. Okay. I like it. Matt Green, always a pleasure, my friend, and I will talk to you next week. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.